prepare yourselves for a journey through history. Get equipped for adventure. Grab your power gloves and super scopes, for it's dangerous to go alone. This is the Legend of Retro. Welcome everyone to this week's episode of The Legend of Retro. I am The Glitch, and with me today is Craig WK. Indeed I am. How's it going? Uh, doing pretty good, Glitch. I'm uh, I'm excited to talk about this game here with you. I, I'm actually not very familiar with it, uh, hmm. but I'm, I'm curious to find out how you became so familiar with it. Uh, what are we covering today? Today we are talking about Age of Empires for the PC made by Microsoft. Yeah, it was uh, uh, developed by Ensemble Studios uh, for PC, like you said, on October 15th, 1997. This real-time strategy game has players taking control of an ancient society and turning them into a war machine to defeat your enemies. Yes, so did you never play this game? This wasn't one you were familiar with? I have never once touched this game. However, I am very familiar with with Warcraft and Warcraft 2 Tides of Darkness, which is very similar to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, is essentially a little bit of the inspiration for this. And when people were reviewing this game, that was kind of like the, yeah, it's like you took Civilization, you took Warcraft, and it's just like... Honestly, though... No, I still got my disc. I think that... uh, Oh, nice. You do have the disc. Uh, I think that... uh, you know, it, that's kind of a no-brainer, right? Right. Taking, yeah. like, the, the the accessible gameplay of Warcraft. Because I was, you know, I wasn't super into war games when I was younger. It was just Warcraft was pretty accessible. And, you know, I like orcs and stuff, you know, and goblins. So I thought, ah, oh, this is sweet. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's definitely an easy move to just take the civilizations of our own world... And just use that. And, you know, they really, you know, much like in Warcraft where it's just sort of all the units are the same, but they're just sort of skinned differently. Yeah. It's sort of similar in this, though there are slight stat differences, it seems, from what I researched. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we can get into that when we talk about the gameplay about how some things, you know, some tribes don't have other things. But uh, so I first played this. Mm-hmm. I want to say it was... uh seventh or eighth grade my best friend uh i went over to his house and he started getting into pc gaming and i came over and he was playing this game and i literally sat there for like two hours like this is this isn't usual for as a kid i feel like sometimes you would go over to a friend's house and watch them play for you know play a little game and you pass it you know pass control over oh it's your turn or you know you'd play a co-op game things like that but that was like the first time i ever just like sat and just like watched. It wasn't like a hey, let me try. I was just like so zoned in to what he was doing, and he was playing this game. And I remember like I went home that night and like I dreamt about this game. Uh huh. And like just I became obsessed. Like I need this game. I need this game. And I think I ended up getting. I ended up uh, like begging my parents or waited till a birthday that was close by uh, to get this because I don't remember the exact time I got this game, but it was like shortly after. I went over to my buddy's house and uh, watched him play this. Um, but uh, and then I fell in love with it. I think it's like one of my favorite PC games I ever played. I didn't I didn't get too much into PC. I feel like right around when this came out, World Course Tycoon, I got into. I played The Sims, the first one. And then that was it. I I pretty much abandoned, for the most part, gaming for a couple years. As oh, I've talked about on the show before. That's right. Uh, you didn't get back into gaming until what? Like the Xbox college. 360? Yeah. It was like freshman year in college. Uh, so are you familiar with uh, Ensemble Studios who uh, worked on this game? Um, I saw a little bit. Like they, they were a consulting company before uh, this. Yeah. it's I. So there's a few highlights at least. Yeah, there's, what do you got? there's some weird things. So they, of course, worked on the Age of Empires series. Of mm-hmm. course. Uh, but they also did Halo Wars, that Halo RTS game. But apparently that's when the studio was getting closed down. Uh, and so, like, they they were working on uh, that Halo RTS game as that studio was closing. The only, mm-hmm. like, people they had on staff were, like, the needed members to complete that game. And then, like, the studio was gone after that game yeah. was put out. Uh, yeah, I think Phil, Phil Spencer made the... Uh... 
the kill switch on that when he uh, shut the studio down. Depressing. Uh, but also, uh, I thought it was weird. Uh, one of their projects that got canceled, uh, and I don't know how far along they got. I didn't really find much info on this. Uh, but it was a project called Titan. It was going to be a Halo MMO. Hmm. Not MMORPG, just MMO. I think they were going to try to make a Halo, like, MMO that was just like the shooter, but you could run around and, like, yeah, choose factions like and stuff. <laughs> Which, honestly, would have been kind of cool. Yeah, that would have been pretty cool. Um, so I do know that, uh, so it was started by a man named Tony Goldman. And he was high school friends with Bruce Shelley, who actually did a lot of the co-designing for Sid Meier's Civilization. So when he's like, I want to get into gaming, he reached out to Bruce and was like, hey, I have this idea. Let's brainstorm. And that essentially started. And they ended up getting like a huge uh, increase in staff to Mm -hmm. produce this game. Um, And then what I thought was funny is he actually had family, like a brother that worked on this game and then ended up going and making his own similar game called empire earth did you ever hear that game i have i have i've never played it but i have heard that I played name. that one too because i remember uh uh another friend of mine had that and was like oh if you like age of empires you should play that and essentially it is like literally a clone except instead of ending at the iron age which age of empires does it goes into like futuristics like orbital uh creations oh like it's yeah. sci-fi type stuff yeah 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 interesting I now uh, I thought it was uh, interesting that uh, much like uh, Warcraft, uh, it had online multiplayer. And for Age of Empires, uh, you could have up to eight people playing online matches. But apparently, because like the servers were garbo back then, it like it was terrible. You'd get disconnected, and it probably wasn't worth playing unless uh, I'm sure you could probably set up land parties with it, right? Yeah, and uh, I believe they still supported the servers until, what, 2006, I read? 2006, yeah. That's insane. 2006, (laughs) the servers were still supported. Uh, It's kind of a shame that this, uh, uh, and well, honestly, it might. I haven't even looked into it. Is this available on, like, Steam? Can you play this online with people nowadays? So they released the Definitive Edition, like, three years ago. Oh. So I don't know if they created a multiplayer for that. I So I never played the multiplayer because my buddy who introduced me to this game told me, don't do multiplayer, it's trash. And so he's like, just do the campaigns and stuff and scenario builders. And that's pretty much all I stuck to was, was that, just like the internal game that came with it. Now, I... Uh... You had mentioned the that it ends at the Iron Age. Uh, I thought the game was interesting that it like goes through time. So like when you start, you start at like the Stone Age, yeah, like Neolithic period and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And then you can get up to like the Tool Age and then the Bronze Age, and then it ends at the Iron Age. And so I thought that was an interesting progression system that like something like Warcraft is a little more simplified because it's just you know you. You get gold, you go mine gold out of a mountain or whatever, you cut down trees, and you just build what you want, pretty much. Uh, I think you have to build certain things that unlock other things. So, like, if you want to make death knights, you know, for the the horde, you had to, like, uh, I think you had to, like, make, like, a magic workshop, and, like, that takes its own certain sets of Mm -hmm. resources. But in this, it's just sort of, like, and maybe it is sort of similar to that, but with just a different paint job to it. But uh, it felt like, yeah, you had to kind of go through time and, like, you know, go through all this, like, you know, like early civilization stuff before you got to the good stuff. Yeah. So essentially how it worked was you start off with the town center and, like, a handful of villagers. And this is just, like, the regular, like, if you just a random map, like, just started a game, uh, you know, nothing campaign story-wise. And... Uh, so you would send your villagers to go chop wood or, you know, get gold, get stone, uh, kill an animal for food or pick berries. And then once you got enough resources, you had to build a barracks and you had to build a storage pit. And then once you built all those things and had enough gold, then you could go to the next age. So it all depended. And it's kind of like how you said Warcraft was you could have like, you know, a knight. But then if you wanted a knight with a shield or like something like, you know, a long uh, staff, 
you needed to build a market and then like an academy and then upgrade the academy so they had better resources to work off of. And then that unlocks the stronger knights and, you know, knights on horses and stuff like that. I gotcha. I gotcha. I I also thought it was interesting that I, I, you have like a lot of different... And I don't I don't know if this is to the game's credit. I feel like it is, but it felt like there was a lot of kind of, you know, minutia to it. It's like, you know, you can have your, you know, uh, peasants, if you will, your your regular people, civilians uh, have them go fishing. You can have mm-hmm. them, you know, uh, gather food. You can have them go hunting. You can have them, you know, do all this different stuff. And that's not even counting, you know, what your soldiers can do. You know, they can get clubs, they can get, you know, axes, they can get, you know, bows and arrows, they can be on mounts, they can, you know, do all this stuff. And, like, it gets to a point where, like, you can get, like, a, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, like Hannibal in history. You can ride an elephant and stuff. Yeah. Yep. You can have uh, uh, archers on elephants. That's got to be yep. pretty heinous. <laughs> well, the elephants have like super high health too, which which uh, it's funny because in this game there's you know gazelles you you kill for food, mm-hmm. but there's also lions. And if you attack an elephant, they'll attack your villagers before you know if you can't kill them fast enough. So you'll like you'll be like building something off to the side, and then all of a sudden you hear the alert. There's like a little like do do whenever someone's being attacked and you like go over there and it's like a lion just mauled like five of your guys and they're all dead. You're like, no. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I, uh, uh, from what I was doing research on this, I did see, uh, uh, the guy who was playing like led his lion back to his like, you know, starter village. And that's when he like, you know, all the townspeople jumped the lion, oh, but it was just yeah. this like one, like guy that was nearly dead, just running through a Savannah, <laughs> basically like nearly murdered by this lion. Um, so there is different modes in this game. There's the campaign mode, uh, which is the most intuitive, um, mm-hmm. multiplayer, like we mentioned, there's random so you would just select random map and you could put your own settings you could actually face up to eight just like in the multiplayer um tribes so you could just set as many tribes as you want to face um you could also set your own like goal so maybe the goal wasn't to defeat all the other tribes it was to build a wonder which is like a giant structure like the first one to to build the wonder and have it stand for a thousand years wins Um, or there's also like artifacts you can find so whoever collects all the artifacts wins um but uh the campaign was definitely the most fun because it had like these scenarios and like historical things and challenges so uh one of my favorite ones i remember uh was uh something called holy man yeah and they start you off and all you have is a priest now in this game a priest doesn't do any melee damage he doesn't do any like attacks he just converts people so he'll go up to someone and you know do his and try to convert the person he's like got zeroed in on and if it's successful then he becomes your tribe member so there's literally a campaign where all you do is you just start with him so you have to like go to an already existing tribe be careful, (laughs) convert as many people as you can until you build an army enough to start building a civilization. And then you have to go kill the other tribes. That's kind of amazing. I like that. Um, There was also one called I'll Be Back, and it starts off with you're in enemy enemy territory and you're just getting demolished. Like you essentially you're 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 running away from all these people and you're lucky enough to actually get, get like a little bit left to to withstand all the damage but if you're successful enough you you leave that island and when you come back to this other island there's a bunch of troops there and then you have to kind of build off of that and then you go back after you've done you know enough building to go attack them which i thought was a really cool one that, that was a pretty fun one yeah uh any other uh uh scenarios stand out in your uh, head um so you know, it, it's a lot of basic stuff. The first like five or six are just training. It's like hunting and, you know, how, how, how you gather food and stuff like that. Uh, in this game, and I mean, we, we kind of like gloss over it. Um, so you collect resources, um, you, you advance in, in the ages, and then you uh, 
then you just, you know, you kick butt. That's, I mean, that's. Yeah, right. That's about it. Um, I'm trying to think if there was other campaigns because there are. There's 36 campaigns that come with this game, but then there was also like expansions. So there was the Rise of Rome expansion, mm-hmm. um, which like tripled the amount of campaigns in it. Um, but I think the the thing that really stood out with this game was the fact that it had so many cheat codes. Did you look into anything it talked about with cheat codes? No, I didn't look into the cheat so codes. So apparently this game has like the most cheat codes that ever existed for a game at the time. I don't know if it still is that, but it had some ridiculous uh what did I think I looked it up at one point. Um like how many are uh how many are we talking here cheat codes like like 10, 20? 30? 33 33 good lord there's 33 cheat codes and let me go over some of the ones that like really stood out and what's funny is i didn't know about these as a kid these would be, be super useful now and actually before we recorded i i put my disc in and i wanted to try out some of them to uh-huh. see how ridiculous they are so there's one called steroids so you just hit the enter button it's it's the chat menu uh so you can actually chat if you're you know online but uh, obviously in campaign, you're playing by yourself, so there's right. no one to chat with. But it's the same menu. So you hit enter, the chat comes up. You type steroids, it completes all active tasks, building, gathering, upgrading. And then from that point on, anytime your builder goes to do something, it's instant as soon as they touch it. Good Lord. So if they had to cut down a tree, which had like 40 pieces of tree or, you know, 40 logs, whatever it produces, he'd walk up and boom, all, you know, he'd have like a full stack of 10. That's all they could carry at once. Wow. And then, like, so four of them would rush that tree, and boom, the tree is done. Uh, There's one called Convert This with an exclamation point, two words. It spawns a priest that summons lightning every three seconds. (laughs) That's Uh, great. There's Flying Dutchman, all the juggernauts. And so in this game, you can put docks on water, and you can fish with them. You can use them as move, moving an army from one island to another. You can do it as for trade also. So you could set like a trade boat to trade gold for stone uh-huh. and just send them off. And it's like even if the I'm, I'm pretty sure even if the other team is an enemy, as long as your boat makes it to their dock and back, you can trade it. So gold is definitely the most important resource in this game. It's the most rare. So if you could literally just trade gold for 10 gold for like 10 food. It's like, boom, you're, you're good. Oh, that's neat. Um, but anyway, so there's juggernauts, which were enemy boats. They could shoot uh, at you. It was the best one in the game. If you type in Flying Dutchman, all the juggernauts can move on land. <laughs> oh, that's great. There's POW, which spawns a baby on a tricycle armed with a shotgun. <laughs> what? Fires, fires every half second of the shotgun. What? Uh, the most ridiculous one. Well, I guess this isn't the most ridiculous. This is the second most ridiculous. There's a, a code called Big Daddy. One uh, word. Huh? Well, it's not what you think. It spawns a Cobra sports car that shoots rockets every two seconds and does 600 damage. That's now, boss. that doesn't mean anything to you right now because you don't know how much 600 damage is. Sure. Right. An archer does like two damage. Oh, the strongest thing in the game aside from the big daddy car does 60 damage per hit so there's much- a thing called the catapult that does 60 and it fires every like five seconds this thing does 600 that's a lot of damage and it moves like a sports car <laughs> so it's like the stupidest thing so uh yeah before we started recording i put that disc and typed big daddy in like five times and just demolished everyone <laughs> So you can um, enter it in multiple times. Yeah, you can enter as many times as you want. Oh, I don't know how, if there's a limit. There might be a limit because I think in this game you can uh, you can you know have villagers and and people in your army, but you have a limit to how many people you can have. So you have to build more houses. But then there's even a limit to that. You can only build so many houses. So you I can't just you. have like the you know a thousand person army. It's there is a limit to what you I can gotcha. do. But oh, okay. the last cheat code I want to talk about. Uh-huh. You sure you can do steroids. You can do the flying Dutchman code. You can do Big Daddy if you want. Whatever. Or you can just type in home run and, and win the campaign. And just you win. Just win. Instant victory. Home run. Enter. Game over. 
did they like and put those codes in so that they could just fly through the game during testing? I imagine that was part of it, but maybe they wanted to leave them in just just for, for the, the fun of it. Yeah, for the fun of it. I don't know. It's kind of like when we talked about Super um um was it Mega Man 3 and you can put the controller in the second port and you can slow down time or not die if you press like the up on the d-pad that's right it just could just be one of those things that they just left in there and not realize that uh that it was still in the finished product so glitch uh while i was looking up this game i found uh that there are tier lists for the civilizations okay i i honestly there were each one i looked at was slightly different you know so there's likely going to be some things that are off you know, and spot on with each of these lists. Uh, but I figured I'd run it by you and see what you thought of this tier list. All right. So at the bottom, tier C, we have the Greeks, which just hurts mine and Sphinx's heritage, <laughs> let me tell you. The Carthaginians, the Choson, and the uh, Palmerons. Does that seem about right? Are they probably the the lowest of the low? So now is this based on like what they could build technology wise? I think it was just like what I was seeing was it was them talking about the like gameplay in general, like the 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 odds that they are most likely to win. Okay, it's not based on this on like real life. It's no. based on the game stats. Okay, yeah, because it um some tribes had access to you know, certain upgrades, whereas others didn't. Okay. Uh, now, tier B, the next step up from the bottom, were the Persians, the Babylonians, the Macedonians, and the Sumerians. Seem right? I don't remember which ones were which. Oh, really? I just know that uh, <laughs> you play as the blue team. That's <laughs> That's all I remember. Uh, well, then I'll just fly through the rest of the list. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, just so that the listeners know all the options, at least. Uh, tier A was supposedly the Egyptians, the Romans, uh, the Minoans, and the Phoenicians. I might be pronouncing some of these wrong. Uh, and then Tier S, supposedly just like choose this and win, are the Hittites, uh, Assyrians, Shang, and Yamato. Okay. Um, so I have something to, to ask you about, and maybe it's just me being oblivious to the world. When did S become a tier? Uh, since always. Okay, because like I remember in like Resident Evil playing those games, it'd be like you got an S ranking or whatever. And I always thought that was like super weird. It is and weird. It, it just mean, all of a sudden became like the standard. Like when did that happen? I was actually talking to my wife about this like a week ago. Uh, to be honest, I don't know, uh, but I do remember when I was younger thinking, like, what do you mean that I got to do better than A? What's better than A? Uh, and I think it is probably an international thing. So, like, okay. it's it's probably, you know, because we have our, through, like, our grading system, we have A's, B's, C's, D, you know. So I would, I can only assume that it must be some kind of international thing where, like, the S tier is supposed to be, like, the best. But ingrained in our brains is sort of that like a means you did the best right. you know okay uh, so if any listeners know the answer to this please message me in the discord this has been bothering me so much i don't know why it bothers me it just just i don't know where i felt like it came like yeah yeah it got an s well an s well there's a and then there's b there's c you know and so on where does s fit in <laughs> It's a solid question, uh, and I have not done the research to give you like a true answer. Just my oh, uh, nonsense. You knew I, I was going to talk about this on the episode. You should have known. I, uh, <laughs> I I did not have any idea you were going to bring this up. I'd have, I'd have actually done the research on that, like the research I didn't do for Age of Empires. <laughs> um, so I want to talk a little bit about the reception because this game did sell very well uh it is currently the 43rd best-selling pc game of all time wow that's pretty yeah. solid um at the time it came out like you know by the time it was done selling it was the sixth uh you know tied for six as the best selling um okay. they ended up making three versions of the game so there is uh you know age of empire one two three i think all three of them had expansions i know one and two did 
I'm not sure if third did have an expansion. Um, uh, there's yeah, a I'm not four, sure. There's a fourth rumored. Uh, it was supposed to come out this year, but there hasn't really been an update about that. So who knows with, you know, the way the world is turned upside down over the past 12 months. Um, and then, like I mentioned, Empire Earth, which was made by Rick Goldman, uh, the brother of Tony Goldman, creator of uh, Age of Empires, which is just it's just like a weird. Yeah, I'm going to make it my own game. Like, I don't know how it worked. Like, maybe they're, you know, their brothers and like the other ones support them. But I just imagine there's like, yeah, you're not taking my ideas. I'm going to make my own game. And it's like literally copy paste. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, pretty, pretty close. You know, I obviously it is different, but like, you know. Is it different enough? I guess. I suppose. Yeah. I, sure, it gets a pass. Yeah, yeah you your guys are the Greeks. We're the Greks. Yeah, it's different. I wish I my ancestry was Greek. Uh, I did have a hard time looking up the price of this game because, uh, you know, the normal website I used didn't want to give me like a. I don't know, I guess PC games isn't something they rated, but I did end up going on eBay and finding like the most recent sale. Uh-huh. With the game, the jewel case, and a strategy guide. Do you want to guess how much this game went for? Ten bucks. You're close. Twelve bucks. Woo! So uh, if, uh, if you want to buy an old one, hopefully it uh I, I I am able to get it worked working on my Windows 10 PC, but I I'm pretty sure I had to like write up a patch in a Word document for it to work. <laughs> so uh yeah i uh, i don't see a lot of people wanting to do that and nowadays computers don't really have cd drives it's true that's probably why the the game is so cheap and let's face it they made a whole heck of a lot of copies if it was that popular um i found some cool glitches Uh, i don't know if this works on the definitive edition uh but if you do have that original copy and a computer that runs it have at it Uh, there is the farm glitch so in this game you can build like a little farm it holds i want to say it was like a thousand food Mm -hmm. so you could just assign one guy to that farm you could build you know a bunch of them um they just you know after they get 10 they collect it and run it over to the you know the town center Uh um so this game is uh run on a keyboard s you hit to stop an action. So if you have you have someone clicked and you like send them over to a place and you're like, no, wait, I don't want them to go that way. You could just hit S on the keyboard and the person will stop. Okay. So whatever, any character will stop what they're doing. If you hit stop while the farm and the villager is selected, it resets the food number. So you could literally have the guy farm all the way down to like one piece of food select both of them, hit stop, and the food replenishes, and you don't have to rebuild a new farm. Oh, so, yeah. that's that's pretty slick. Uh, then another one I thought that was pretty cool is the town center glitch. So when you start the game, you can only build one town center. And the town center allows you to create villagers. Uh, it's a place where you can put your food and resources. And it also is the way you um, advance to the next... Uh, age Mm -hmm. uh so it only allows you to build one once you get to the iron age they allow you to build a second one i'm not sure if you can build more than that um but uh if you start a game gather a bunch of resources and destroy your town center you can actually click to build a new town center hold shift and build more before the other one is completed so if you wanted to build more town centers you can do it that way That way you can create like multiple villagers at a time instead of having to wait for the one to be created at once because you only have one town center. Oh, yeah, that's pretty awesome. Um, And then, of course, there is speedrunning stuff because it is a video game, believe it or not. Yeah, there's no video game that doesn't have speedrunning stuff unless it's real obscure, right? There was one. Remember, I, uh, I had like the hardest time. I ended up finding some video on YouTube for it. And some oh. of these RPGs are uh, ridiculous. I couldn't believe that Dragon Warrior 7 had a speed run, and it was, like, something ridiculous, like, 7 hours or 14 hours or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was, it was absurdly... Yeah, I think it was 14 hours. Yeah, it was it was something absurd, considering it takes uh, an average player, like, 160 hours to get through the game. <laughs> so stupid. Uh, so with the expansion, there's 64 campaigns total. Uh, a man named... Ty holds the record for all 64. Oh. Uh, a couple of them he's tied in, 
dun, 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 tie is tied on them. Wah, wah. Yep. Uh, they're all on hard difficulty, but some of them are as short as four seconds. These campaign uh, is he quests. cheating? <laughs> it's like find the artifact and like it's i don't know if it's rng and you just gotta hope that you're right by the artifact when you start the campaign just like start and just like run to a spot and hopefully it's there weird uh and then there's one that's like 16 minutes long but between all 64 of them i totaled it up to see like how long it would take them to do like the first one all the way to the 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 64th one and obviously it's all his best time so it wouldn't really run this low but did you want to give a guess at all 64 quests how long uh, it took them to do them i don't know maybe an hour and a half so it was five hours eight minutes and 29 seconds is what i got which is about less than five minutes each oh i lowballed that tremendously get me you know you don't realize how much 64 is but uh it does add up and um there uh there is one that was really cool that he did uh it's naive is the name of the campaign and you have to destroy the opponent's uh wonder which is i mentioned before it's like this giant structure oh yeah so yeah. in this certain instance they're building their giant structure it starts right there but you have like a really small army to begin with the night he, he um he kind of like runs towards their area and you can actually build on an area that is on your map as long as you have like a person by it so how this map works is it's completely black except for the area that you're in when you start. Mm-hmm. And as you like go around and kind of scout the area, you remove the the dark black. But once your character kind of moves away from that, it's not like a cloudy, like almost fog. Oh, like fog of war stuff from strategy. Okay. Games. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There might be other strategy games that use that kind of same idea. So like, you don't know what's currently going on in that spot for all, you know, you could run away, you know, go away. Then like 10 minutes later, come back and like a whole, village had like built a giant you know walls and like archers and stuff like that there yeah so uh as long as you're like in a spot it's it's solid bright so he would go over there build something when their enemy attacks they light up as if they're bright and then he would like click to build something right next to the enemy that shot something and then just keep doing it daisy chaining until he got close enough to the wonder and would build like a wall or try to build a wall and they would attack that wall that you're trying to build. And in doing so the catapults would attack their own wonder. <laughs> so they're trying to destroy the thing you're trying to make, but in doing so destroying their own wonder and destroy it. And he does it in like 58 seconds. That is really funny. So, so there's a lot of campaigns on here. If you were to just check one out, that's the one it's called uh naive N I N E V E H. It's 58 seconds. Uh, it's just pretty cool how he ends up doing it, but what, what is the uh, uh, the name of that? Nineve. I'm not saying that right. How N-I-N- do you spell it? N-I-N-E-V-E-H. Is it like a word backwards? Like, what is that backwards? Nothing? Uh, heaven. In, in. Oh, so it's not. He- I originally was thinking it was heaven backwards, but I guess it isn't now. N-I-N. Yeah. Never mind. It's that D and D brain of yours, Craig. You're trying to you always reverse words and do things backwards. It's your first instinct, wasn't it? It, it is. Uh, it's a bad habit. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's good when you're playing Dungeons and Dragons, but in regular everyday society, it doesn't help you much. I, uh, what do you say we uh, uh, take a brief pause though, and hear a word from one of our partners? And then jump into the music. Hey, it's me, everybody, Tim Kittrow. I'm here to talk to you about Old School Gamer. Old School Gamer is the magazine for gamers. It covers arcade and retro gaming, gives you gaming history and in-depth interviews with people like me who are there. And it lets you know what conventions are happening and when. Issues come out once every other month. Plus, a website full of even more razzle-dazzle. And it's all for just 30 bucks a year. So visit OldSchoolGamer.com and subscribe now. Boom-shakalaka! Okay, so the music in Age of Empires was composed by Stephen and David Rippy. R-I-P-P-Y. Maybe they're brothers? I didn't really see anything about them being related online, but like there's no way they're not, right? I mean, there's the two composers from Mega Man 3. Yeah, that's true. Huh. Anywho, 
Uh, David has also worked on Age of Mythology. Uh, Steven, however, has worked on the rest of the Age of Empires games, as well as Halo Wars, a game called Dungeon Boss, and a more recent game, which I'm very sure is probably mobile, called Anvil War of Heroes. Yeah, sounds mobile. Doesn't it? I just like I saw the the art for it, the cover art. I saw the name, and I was just like, "Yeah, that is. That's uh, just got to be mobile." Well, the the sad thing about, I mean, I know we're about to talk about the music, but the whole like, genre of the games of like Age of Empire is very mobile now. Like it's very like Farmville. Like just uh-huh. they kind of just destroyed. I think in my mind the whole gathering supplies and building. I don't know of that many like traditional style RTSs that are like available these days. I'm sure they they must be on Steam. You know, there were so many fans of the genre that I, I'm sure there must be like a million out there. But like, you yeah. certainly don't hear about big companies doing them anymore. Nope. Uh, but uh, let's go ahead and listen to our first song. This is uh, one that uh, Glitch chose. This is uh, the opening theme. Let's give it a listen. Definitely sets the mood for the type of game it is. I certainly have to give it that. Yeah, so this is what plays like when you're in the menus. And uh, one thing about maybe I just wasn't used to to PC games at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember like I, occasionally I would put the disc in yeah. and the game wouldn't start up. Instead, the soundtrack would start playing on the computer. And I didn't know that this like was a thing. And I just remember one time I put it in and like all of a sudden it like scared me because this song started playing. And then I was like, man, this is pretty sweet. And I just I think I listened to the rest of the soundtracks, <laughs> like just sitting there, like I ended up doing something else. Like, let's hear 1997. I would have went on the AOL and messenger. Maybe I don't know what <laughs> I would have been doing on the computer then. Uh, maybe playing solitaire. Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, I came with the computer. I went into and uh, was it Encarta 95 and was clicking around on there. Encarta, no, <laughs> deep cut, <laughs> deep cut. I played some ski free while I was listening to the soundtrack. This is the soundtrack to uh, listen to while you're playing ski free. Uh, up next, we have a uh, song that I chose. It's called the Egyptian Hymn. Let's give it a listen.
I love that there is a, uh, you know, the the kind of the base, the the back end of it is sort of kind of like uh, uh, tense, but like there's that kind of like. Uh, I'm not good with like instruments and stuff, but that like kind of like string sound that plays throughout that it gives it kind of like a relaxing feel. So it's this weird mm-hmm. juxtaposition that I enjoy. Yeah, there's no tracks on here because a lot of it you're concentrating on what you're doing. So it's it's mostly just background music, but they're all the tracks on here are great. And there's nothing on there that's like, man, I wish to, I wish they wouldn't play this stupid song. So this one is a really good one. I'm glad you picked this one. Yeah, that one was probably my favorite, but uh, we have one more track to play, uh, and this is a song that The Glitch has chosen. This is a song called The Capture. Let's give this one a listen. enjoy that track and it uh reminds me strongly of the uh uh music from final fantasy tactics okay i'm not familiar with that soundtrack uh amazing soundtrack uh the the two guys who uh do final fantasy tactics do ogre battle 64 uh final fantasy 12 uh there's quite a few soundtracks that they've done, and that definitely reminds me of them. Their work. I like the, the song is so like it's arranged so well too, because I mean there was no loop there, and I think it went on for like another minute after that too. Uh, just about, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a very well uh, done song from uh, Age of Empires. I all in all, I'm very impressed with the soundtrack, considering it's a PC game, and you know, yeah. I, I feel like a lot of PC games at that time could get away with not that great of soundtracks or, or maybe the technology wasn't there because not everyone had a good sound system on their computer. Mm -hmm. Well, I just remember at that time it was that there was such a big leap between home console and PC gaming. Like PC Mm -hmm. gaming was just like, you just knew it was going to be 10 times better looking like now, you know, obviously PC gaming is still better, but the gap has gotten so small because, you know, Xbox series X and the PS five, they're, pretty much just like pcs now they're built just the same it well the the other interesting thing too is the fact that i think that game makers now realize that the console market is very big and Mm -hmm. so yeah they can make a pc only game that looks phenomenal and you know no console would ever hope to play it or they can make money yeah 
and that's and release it on all the platforms. And that's what's going to win every time, you know. And you know, the Switch is a, a marvelous system, and I love it. But because it is a little bit lower quality graphics and stuff, you're going to have plenty of developers that aren't pushing the boundaries of graphics because mm-hmm. they want to port on the Switch, the PS5, the Xbox Series X and PC to be able to really corner the market. And, you know, the the aesthetics are going to diminish a bit because of that. And, you know, I'm certainly a proponent of, you know, the visuals don't make the game. You know, graphics aren't everything by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, there is something to be said of having a fancy computer and not having the games to back it up when you spend all that (laughs) money on it. Uh, but, uh, Glitch, when it comes to, uh, Age of Empires, uh, what are your final thoughts on the game? Um, so they did come up with a definitive edition, so I recommend you go out and try it. I feel like the game itself as a whole didn't survive as well. It's not really a game I feel like you could go back and pick up and enjoy it the same as it, as you could have when when it first came out because a lot of the gameplay is a little bit primitive and i feel like you could just get like a stardew valley or something and with better with get better gameplay and just enjoy something like that you know mm-hmm. this is just my thoughts but at the time and this game was like it was just wild because i just remember coming home that day after going to my buddy's house and just like almost obsessed of over like oh man it was like really cool how you could like send a guy to get like supplies and you bring it back and then you like go attack a village and build from there i uh i gotta say i uh playing through this game really really makes me want to play the original warcraft (laughs) (laughs) i uh uh like I, i i don't have any issue with reality you know real life is where i live it's fine it's okay, but fantasy definitely wins out for me in the end. <laughs> so it makes me want to play a fantasy version of Age of Empires, which coincidentally exists. It sure does. It's called Warcraft, and I don't even <laughs> think that uh, Blizzard lets people play it anymore, so I don't even know if I can play it. But, yeah, Age of Empire. What do you, uh, what do you say we get into our retro re- relapse, Greg? Jones in for a classic game. It's time for Retro Relapse on the Legend of Retro Podcast. Retro Relapse. All right, so rewind, what, like a month, two months? Uh, Yeah, a few months ago. We uh, we covered a game called Cool Wars 2. Uh-huh. And uh, developed by Web Systems. Web System. Indeed. And we talked about the fact they had a game called Rising Zon. And guess who got the ROM for it and had us play? That's right, the glitch, because I'm the best. You guys always act like I give you crappy games. But guess what? I got you Rising Zon. And what do you think, Greg? Uh, I think that you, uh, as a host of The Legend of Retro, are A-tier, Glitch. Yeah, not S-tier. Come on. Come on, Greg. If this game was good, it would have been S tier. Yeah, it wasn't as good as we hoped. I think maybe we should have just not have touched it and just left it into the imagination of ourselves. Probably. Oh, my <laughs> Lord. This game is so stupid. I Don't be wrong. I love it. I'm so glad it exists. So for those who don't know, Rising Zan, the samurai gunman, is a, uh, which I just love the uh, Japanese title. Did you uh, learn what the Japanese title was? Uh, no, no. I, I can't remember if I talked about it on the episode, but yeah, what's, uh, what's it called? Rising Sun's a Samurai Gunman. That's it. It's just the, Eng- it's just the, uh, it, like the, the, the Englishized version in Japan. Like that's the name of it in Japan as well, <laughs> which is amazing to me. That's, that's funny. That's marvelous. I, uh, so it's an action, they say action adventure. It felt more like just an action game uh, on the PlayStation 1. And basically, it's about a, a, a gunman in the Wild West who's attacked by like a, like an assa- a ninja assassin, falls into a ravine, is found by this Japanese dude who's like his dad's friend, and he's like, I need to learn their fighting style to take them down. So they travel to Japan. <laughs> 
And then he learns the ways of the katana. Yep. As well as his own pistol, his six shooter, and gets sent back to his town that has now been like overrun by like samurai and ninjas and stuff. And so it's this weird clash of like spaghetti western and uh uh like samurai movie. It's almost as if like it's almost like Japan got a hold of like a a 1950s like gu- uh, gunslinger show mm-hmm. and then we're just like we can make this Japanese right and they were all like yeah yeah no we got this this is fine yeah and so yeah. unfortunately it's on the PlayStation without the dual analog sticks oh it's clunky and it's very tanky uh, I will say I thought it was way worse at the start. I started playing and I couldn't figure out how to like move. And I was like, why is this not working? And I realized that I was using the analog sticks to try to move and it wasn't working. And that's why I could like only walk <laughs> forward. And I was like, oh, but well, yeah, there's even feel like the D pad kind of felt weird, too, because there was like a button to turn around and it kept like throwing me off. Yeah. Like they do like a 180. <laughs> It was it was very clunky. It was it's weird because like they tried to replicate. It felt like they were trying to replicate like the Z targeting from like mm-hmm. uh, the uh, Zelda games on the N64. And it sort of exists. You hit a button and like you home in on an enemy, but it fades so easy. Like the enemy will like look at you funny and then you lose the targeting. And it's like, <laughs> what? Why? I don't understand. Yeah, I felt like a lot of button mashing for me. Mm-hmm. I felt like when you button point. mashed, it was actually you you got through the game pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, though the voice acting is atrocious. Like See, the- I so I only got to I beat the first boss guy, or there was like the first cutscene where there's like a guy tied up to a post, and uh-huh. then there's like another guy like shooting at you. I, I only got past that part. That was it. I got a little further than that. Uh, there's like this part where uh, uh, there's like this big spinning wheel where like fire shoots out of it. Oh. And, and yeah, it, and it the jumping mechanics are pretty bad. And so it was so hard to get it down to like shoot the guys and then like jump over the thing. And I ended up dying and I was just like, this is just not worth playing another life. Uh, this is just it's not worth it. I, uh, but I uh, like for the spectacle alone, the game is absolutely worth playing, worth trying. Uh, but yeah, like the 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 uh, that's the other thing I forgot to mention the voice acting, like the enemies, even the ones that you just hit, like yell, and like the ninjas make the most obnoxious noise. They're like wah wah wah, like as you're hitting them, and it's like <laughs> what is that noise? Yeah, a lot of PlayStation games were like that because I remember Die Hard Trilogy being like really annoying. Like yeah. whenever you killed someone. Yeah, it was it was it's, real uh, bad. Yeah. Same thing with uh, like Siphon Filter also. It reminded me a little bit of this. Oh, um, yes. Because of, because of the targeting and stuff and the, the way you moved around kind of tank like. But uh, <laughs> it just felt like those games around that time that, you know, the voice acting and all that stuff was just bad. Now, the narrator I didn't think was terrible. But the the main character, the like the bartender you meet at the start, mm-hmm. and uh, like the villains and stuff, like uh, all in all, this is objectively a bad game. I need everybody to know that before we give our ratings. Like this is a bad game, objectively. Yeah. Eight out so- of eight. <laughs> eight out of eight rising Zan, the samurai gunman is the most amazing premise for a video game i've ever heard right, that alone so, gets eight points so opening cutscene, eight out of eight for sure yes gameplay i don't want to talk about the gameplay games eight an eight, eight out of eight so whatever that comes out to <laughs> glitch what do you score. rate it that's uh whatever that math comes out to that's my score it's like a five five and a half yeah, it, it's it is just so mediocre, and the the game is bad. I I love it, but it is bad. Yeah. Honestly, though, like looking at the 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 ratings it got at the time, I mean, it got above average ratings, which is kind of a wonder. Yeah, but who gave them? Uh, Jim's basement, ten out of ten. Wow. Yeah, Jim's basement. You're right. 
Uh, no, like PSM <laughs> Magazine gave it like a, 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 what is that? A three and a half stars. Ninja Times, 10 out of 10. Oh, yeah, Ninja Times, 10 out of 10. Game Informer gave it an 8 out of 10. Wow. Famitsu gave it a 29 out of 40. That's not bad. That's better than... Uh... Oh, man, we just reviewed a game that like Famitsu gave like a terrible rating. I can't remember which one it was, but uh, yeah, that's a that's good grade. Yeah, Famitsu is normally real stingy with those scores, and somehow this got a 29 out of 40. I, I call shenanigans. They had to have paid them off. Oh, we should have just not touched it. I'm sorry, Craig. I should have just not got the ROM, left it into our imagination like it was forever. This is why you're an A-tier host and not an S-tier host. Because even right. when you get me games that I'm excited for, they're still bad. It's not my fault, Craig. <laughs> I blame you entirely. <laughs> All right. Well, Samurai Gunman, you didn't... Uh, you didn't please us as much as we hoped, but let's uh, let's let's get into something exciting. We have our Mega Man robot music bracket that we've been going through all season. Where are we at now, Craig? I think we're we're in round three. Oh boy! Yeah. Uh, so this is a tough one, and I've said that every single matchup. <laughs> I realize that, but this is an especially tough one. Uh, and for me, it's honestly a little easier because. Uh, if if you guys know me, uh, you know that one of my favorite composers d- did one of these songs, and uh, but the other one is really good. So first up from Mega Man Nine, composed by Ibo Yamada, Ryo Kawakami, Yu Shimoda, and Hiroki Isogai, we have the theme of Galaxy Man. Let's give it a listen. <laughs> man man that is a hot hot track it it absolutely is that there is like i mean it's to me the galaxy man track is like traditional mega man music like concentrated like you took traditional mega man music put it in a pan turn the heat to like you know that medium low and just let it sit and simmer and simmer until it like just like thickened up to just the like the purest form of a traditional Mega Man song it released years and years after when traditional Mega Man music was made. Oh, man, I love the analogy, man. Craig, you're making me so hungry right now. <laughs> wow. I'm sorry that I didn't add a little uh, spaghetti into that uh, dish for you. But uh, uh, up next, we have from Mega Man and Bass, composed by Toshihiko Horiyama, Naoshi Mizuta, and Akari Kaida. We have the theme of Tengu Man. Let's give it a listen.
name of Tengu Man? A little known fact. Um, when they first were, you know, translating this game, they were just going to call it Mega Man and Forte. But then they made this song and they're like, well, obviously the bass is slapping in this one. We just got to call it Mega Man and Bass. <laughs> right? Oh, man. The the bass of that song, the 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 kind of like funky jazziness to it. Like mm-hmm. it is a phenomenal song. I I'd make an argument that Tengu Man's theme is a uh, just a runner for one of the best Super Nintendo songs ever made. Yeah, these are two uh, A-tier tracks because A is the highest it goes. Uh, The top of the line, right? Well, I would argue that one of these songs is S-tier and our fans are going to help us decide. (laughs) I don't know what what you're talking about, Greg. (laughs) S-tier, what is this? So, for all our listeners uh, who maybe don't know, uh, if you'd like to go ahead and vote on which song you think is the best, Legend of Retro offers you multiple ways to vote, and all those votes count, so make sure that you track all these ways down. You have our Facebook page with an emoji poll there. We have our Twitter account. There's a poll there. If you jump on our Discord, if you go to uh, GameZillaMedia.com, there's a link to the Discord. You can join us, talk about retro video games, play community playthroughs with us, but also every week we have a uh, uh, emoji poll there as well. And finally, uh, members of our Patreon, uh, for as low as $1 per month, you get access to a vote there as well. And that's at patreon.com slash GameZillaMedia. Uh, but Glitch, there's also other bonus content they get from Legend of Retro on uh, our Patreon page. Uh, anything you'd like to let the, our fans know about? Absolutely. So if you're generous enough to give us $5 at that level, you get access to our monthly show called Game Shark. Uh, we release it at the end of every month. So it's the last Thursday uh, and we talk about all sorts of things. Um, I know that last month we had just talked about our top 10 Super Mario World levels, Craig and I. Um, the month before that, we did a re- uh, Rhythm of Retro uh, and... Uh, you can also get access to our draft. So if you're still curious who picked these two tracks, go listen to that draft episode. It was at the beginning of the season. We did a snake draft where we all picked. You can get the inside scoop on who picked what, you know, and uh, figure out who picked these two fantastic songs. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, uh, some of our most fun Game Shark episode, I think, are, are when we bring in LPJ as commissioner yeah. of the draft and uh, get to choose our songs argue about what counts uh it is a lot of fun and uh you'll also find uh how bad me and xander are getting our butts kicked if you (laughs) do uh, jump in on that uh draft so make sure to go ahead and do so uh but uh xander's not happy with how this draft is going yeah yeah he had uh some unfortunate matchups and a few upsets big upset yeah, I think so. And at the time of this recording, might might continue. We will see. We will see. We will see. All right, Glitch. I think that's about all the time we have. I, I think that it's time for us to sign off. I'd just like to thank all our listeners for tuning in. We'll see you all next time when the, the legend, legend continues. continues. I'm an S tier host, right? Like Chops is like B tier. You and Xander A tier. Does that sound right? Four, four A's because it's the best score you can get. Sure, glitch. Sure. Yeah. 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 Sure. <laughs>